and salty we shall be. For thee, Duffy, for thee. Bullshit hath descended forth from thy hand, let our salt may analyze thy vision grand. So we shall flow a river forth to thee, and teeming with salt shall it ever be. In nominee daddy, and mommy, and the spirit called whiskey. <laughs> that was genius. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Medium Salt, the 90s nostalgia podcast where we season our past with a little bit of present. My name is Matt and I'm joined by my long-suffering and very good friend Kate. Today we are going to talk about a film that is very personal to me, The Boondock Saints, starring Willem Dafoe, Norman Reedus, Sean Patrick Flannery, Billy Connolly, and David Delarocco, and directed by Kmart Lewis C.K. I mean, Troy Duffy. But first, Kate, how are you? I am doing fantastically. I the best part about rewatching this movie is realizing how much I've grown as a person from mm-hmm. when I used to, as you know, because we both did very much like this movie. And as mm-hmm. I was rewatching it, I was seeing snapshots of past versions of myself and going, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Same. But also, yay, I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah. there's like nothing about this movie that appealed to me now. And I was like, wow, that is, that's some personal growth right there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I will say there was, there was some stuff about this movie that I did, I did still enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I want to get to those at the end because we have a whole mountain of salt we got to dig through first. Oh, yeah. You know? I hope um, we don't have I, th- any I think there's sores. I don't think any of these qualities redeem the film, but I do think like there are things in this film that are enjoyable. Yeah, and the same way that cow shit can be used for manure, sometimes right. you can you can get something good out of things that are terrible. Right. Think- or or you know, a motorcycle horse chase. Like that it's an enjoyable thing, that, but you, you it's, you know, should have been a YouTube video and not a two-hour film it's two <laughs> hours too long um i think the things i like about this movie i could sum up with two words and it's willem dafoe so yeah yeah um yeah. yeah that's willem dafoe is is extremely entertaining to watch always yes always. he just he knows he knows the right amount to ham it up mm-hmm. like he's like he's like he rides that line he knows he exactly no where to be oh no yeah. limits He's just like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, I'll let you get started because you have a personal stake in this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you wanted to know what was going on inside the head of a young white man in the 90s, the Boondock Saints wouldn't be the worst place to start. I feel like it has to be a particular kind of white man. It has to be the white man who feels disenfranchised and upset about the growing political correctness movement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which was not me necessarily. I think not I on mean, a conscious at the time, level. Yeah, yeah. Not on a conscious level. I think, you know, there was, there was stuff floating around. I have a, a very complex relationship with my masculinity that I've been like slowly disentangling and like understanding. That's a difficult journey. I I like being masculine. I feel like it's it's a good fit for me. I enjoy being, you know, a cis man. Not not a problem there, but I think yeah. there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of like complicated tangle of stuff 
mm-hmm. it comes to masculinity because it's there is a lot of toxic elements to it that somehow have become the like the most important parts yeah. of being a masculine, especially totally you know, at the time. There there was like a huge movement in the 80s and 90s. And this is weird. I was looking at old articles from the 80s and 90s, late 80s, early, late 80s through the late 90s. Um, that was they were very concerned about like the feminization of men. <laughs> and like they were pointing out um like pop culture figures like Ross from Friends and like um and like even Bruce Willis at one time was considered Bruce like Willis. Yeah, so like that was the big thing. Like everyone saw Bruce Willis in Die Hard as a reaction to like the Sylvester Stallones and the Arnold Schwarzeneggers. Right? He's like Die Hard is the greatest action hero of all time. Right, but at the time and and he's pretty masculine, you would say. I would say yeah. he's pretty masculine. He's already got toxic masculine traits in yeah. that movie. <laughs> yeah. At the time he was considered like almost feminized because he was not this huge muscly man like Stallone or Arnold. And now we look back on that and see that as like patently ridiculous. But at the time, like they were really, really worried about it. Like, like there were people who were like all up in arms about this stuff. And you look at like, and they're, you know, calling out sitcom characters like no, no young boy, no man in the nineties was looking at Ross from friends and being like, that's the ideal man. Right. No one's, None of the characters in Friends. No, no woman was looking They're at Friends and thinking, "I want to be, I want to be a, like a, a naive rich person, or I want to be a neurotic mess of a person, or I want to like, you know, maybe Joey because Joey was funny, but like no one like aspired to that life except having an amazing apartment in the middle yeah, of New I was York like, for pennies, right? Sounds nice, <laughs> <laughs> but. I, I came across article after article after article talking about like, are men becoming women? It's oh, like, that's so no. interesting. It's interesting too. Uh, now that you brought that up, like when I was doing research for this episode, I found an interview that someone did with Troy Duffy, and uh, apparently, he, the person who interviewed him, wrote a book called. Um, in 50 years, we'll all be chicks. And I didn't understand mm. it. And now I do because of what you just said. He is that person. He's the person yeah. who's like, oh, no. First off, referring to women as chicks has always and will always bother me. I don't know why. It's one of those things. I feel like it's just very disrespectful. And also, wow. You you would aspire to such greatness, Troy Duffy. Being a woman is difficult. <laughs> no joke. So, like in the late 90s, you started to see a lot of films that almost directly approached this subject. And I think, like, and we've mentioned it a few times before, but like both these films came out in 99 is uh, Fight Club and Boondock Saints. Mm. And like they kind of approach the same subject on completely different, from completely different sides. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, if you are literate, and watched Fight Club, you come away with a very different message than one you might come away from with Boondock Saints. However, there are Although, some people that came away with the same message from both. Yeah, I was just going to say that <laughs> some people who watched Fight Club and completely missed the point, sort of like the yeah. same people who watched the new Joker movie and decided 
oh yeah, this is totally supporting our worldview of being dicks. So yeah, I mean this this film has a very like black and white view of justice, of evil, oh, yeah. of good, and how of of what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. Like this film a is very man. like yeah, like, like, a, like a real man, man. who's like masculinity is unchecked by the system. Yeah, a fourteen year old's idea of a real man. Right. A 14-year-old who was recently grounded for smoking pot's idea of a real man. Yeah. And then you let that person write a screenplay. Yeah. And give him lots of money and realize how bad of an idea that was. <laughs> yeah. So I loved this film when I was a young man. Um, it was so cool. Like, everything was just so stylish and slick and cool. And I wanted to be the McManus brothers or whatever. I loved this film too. And it's interesting because I think that at the time that I was this age, I was going through my own sort of not rebellion, but rejection of femininity. And Mm. so I was identifying things that society had basically described as masculine. I was firmly in the, I'm not like other girls category of my development, which is a Mm. horrible phase like, ah, yes, better to be the right hand of the devil than in his path. And I was firmly <laughs> trying to be that right hand. Um, mm. And it sucks. It sucks to to be that way, right? Like, you, mm-hmm. you take this sort of weird, cartoonishly styled vision of the universe. And, yeah. I mean, we were both teenagers, too. And when you're going through all of these changes where you realize that the world is way more complicated than you thought... And adults don't really know what's going on and there's crime and things are actually scary and you have all of these disillusionments. I think that there's a, I think that there's an appeal to the simplicity of this movie and the fact that they just woke up one day and decided, you know what, we're going to shoot a bunch of people that are bad and they're unequivocally bad. Like this movie does not mince words. It's just like this person's bad. All of these people are bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's very black and white. Like this is a bad person, they should they should die. And mm-hmm. like that's that's very appealing to a young person who yeah, wants a simple view of the world that makes sense. By God. Right? We've been I think made to want to do this by God, given permission yeah, or whatever. Which oh my god, this that's yeah. a whole other fucking thing. Um I feel like if this film had come out like just like twenty years later, this would firmly be like one of those alt right pipeline type movies Mm. you know that draws young men in with Mm -hmm. like these cool flashy stuff they they see things in it that they like and then you kind of start on this path i think it was just 20 years too early to be like a problem like big capital a problem and back then it was just like oh the 90s (laughs) the third one is apparently going into production this year so yeah I don't know. You hear that kind of stuff all the time. I'm the second one. The fact that the second one got made at all is amazing. I guess the Troy Duffy just ran out of money. One. <laughs> Troy well, Duffy's, that was, and that's a whole story, right? Yeah, like Troy Duffy's so horrible. He got blacklisted by Harvey Weinstein for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. This whole movie was like a trail of shitty sexual predators of the nineties. Like, yeah, like how toxic you got to be for fucking Weinstein to be like, you know what? Nah. Yeah. Well, also Troy Duffy, I I read a quote. I think it's actually from his commentary on the DVD. I did not watch it because I refuse, but I did read someone's uh, like going through and picking out quotes. And one of the quotes was he hired Ron Jeremy because he said, 
while couples watching this movie, both people will know who Ron Jeremy is. And both people won't want to talk about it afterwards. And I was like, what a stupid, horrible thing to say yeah. on so many levels. I can't even unpack that. Like, yeah. Well, it, it comes down to, I think, like all of the, all of the humor in this movie mm-hmm. is just like really cruel. Yeah. There's always someone who's the victim of the punchline mm-hmm. in every single joke. It's like, it's very like, like stupid young boy humor yeah like it's the very person cruel. who wants to pull the wings off insects kind of humor yeah like every like and it's it's just so childish in mm-hmm. nature like it's childish cruel and but but it's being done perpetrated by these these men mm-hmm. which i think goes on to to just further illustrate this childish worldview uh, this childish idea of justice and like kind of the the shitty attitude that maybe the director writer has yeah i would a hundred percent agree with that like i i do not in a million years believe that this dude saw a drug dealer stealing money from a dead person i just don't Mm -hmm. i think that troy duffy is full of shit and i think he made that up and i think he's abrasive and insulting and somehow He's the worst combination of things, right? He's not. Yeah, I mean, good he's, a, at he's a he's a typical mass hole. Mm-hmm. You know, mass hole. I've never heard that. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, well, it's a common enough term in New England. Uh, Is it? Oh, yeah. I thought it was mass like masculine asshole, not. No, 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 like Massachusetts. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who moved to LA and was like, "Oh, if only we could just shoot yeah. all these drug dealers that are living in yeah. our LA apartments." Yeah. Well, in the 90s, like that was kind of like the the most surefire way um, to kind of get into the industry in the 90s was to write some scripts and get them optioned. Um, it was kind of a gold rush. Started around 93. His first screenplay just randomly. He decided yeah, to write. Yeah. And that, that was kind of, that's kind of a common story with the 90s. Um, it, there was like a huge gold rush after um robert rodriguez and uh tarantino um hollywood was like just super hungry for these like outside scripts and ideas for these ultra violent Um, uh parades yeah yeah and it's just it was just um there was a lot of money going around so like they would just option these scripts and some a lot of the movies just never got made Mm -hmm. but the idea was that you know they could buy the script for what for them is cheap and then make Mm -hmm. it and make a ton of money um, and if you I were just, a writer, like you would, you would go to Hollywood, you would go to LA, you would meet with, with the right people. You would write, you would just write scripts and they would get optioned for like, you know, six figures, you know, nothing, nothing like I say life changing, like six figures is life changing. But right. at the time, like you get, you know, you get a hundred thousand, you get, that's a year, right? That's a year of, mm-hmm. of, of living. Of LA uh, living. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's kind of what a lot of people would do. Um, and Troy Duffy wrote this script and for a second, for a hot minute, it was like the hottest thing Yeah. in Hollywood. Everyone wanted a piece of this film. Weinstein came in and said, Hey, I'll buy your film. I'll buy the bar you work at. Yeah. I will try to smooth you over so that I get the rights. Yep. Um, and somehow Troy fucked that up. Yeah. Well, they also <laughs> made him a director on, like he's never written yeah. a film before. He's never directed he apparently insulted almost every actor that 
they were trying to consider for this film. He called Keanu mm-hmm. Reeves a punk, which immediately puts you in, on my bad side because yeah. Keanu Reeves is one of the nicest human beings ever. He insulted Ewan McGregor. He insulted so many people. Yeah. Um, here's my theory. I think that Troy Duffy found a magic lamp mm-hmm. and he made several wishes and then he was so terrible that he ruined them all. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. I think like, he, uh, yeah, he, he definitely got in his own way a lot. Yeah. He was so abrasive um, and difficult to work with. Harvey Weinstein canceled him. Yeah. That's, Absurd. that's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. And there's actually, they did a documentary. Um, Which is some of his better rated mates. than the actual movie. Yeah. Called Overnight. Overnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I watched the documentary a long oh. time ago. I didn't, I should have rewatched it for the podcast, but, uh, you know, Duffy did not come out looking great Mm-mm. in that documentary. He came out looking like a fucking asshole. And the yeah. thing is, is like, you can make a documentary look a certain, you know, like you can, mm-hmm. you can paint anybody anyway in a documentary. Yeah. I've but done sometimes it, it's right? true. <laughs> yeah, but there's always like Troy was in a very high pressure situation, but I also think his ego got the better of him and that really comes out. Yes. I mean, it takes a certain level of overconfidence to write a screenplay, get it picked up and not be grateful, right? Yeah. And not be thankful to just think yeah. that it's your amazingness and not situation because he immediately started like shitting on his family and his friends yep. and saying that they yep, were all jealous of him. If you yeah. listen to his commentary on the DVD, he just talks about himself the entire time or how like yeah. smart he is. Oh, he definitely yeah. thought he was going to be another Tarantino. You know, he thought his ship has come in and the world finally recognizes him for his greatness because like every other white man, he did absolutely nothing and expects the world. Yeah. Um, and that, we haven't even actually talked about the movie itself. Which no, no, there's a lot of background we have to get to first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't talk about this movie without talking how about how no. it was made. I mean, ultimately, so like, yeah, because also like the film did not perform well in the box office well, because like Columbine. Well, it was blacklisted, but also com- Columbine happened. I don't believe the Columbine thing because Scream Three came out the next weekend, and mm-hmm. it was it did perfectly well. I think the Columbine thing is a very convenient excuse. Uh, well, I mean, Scream Three, but the Scream's a different, like that's a completely different subject matter. Though. There was another film because you know? I think the Matrix, the Matrix was coming out as well, and the Matrix did mm-hmm. wonderfully. And I mean, it was yeah. under the same pressure, right? Like they definitely used clips yeah. of the Matrix. When they were discussing, oh, violence in film is causing these school shootings. It's definitely not poor mental health care services and desperation economically and whatever. Mm. Um, But yeah, The Matrix came out around the same time and did great. I think The Matrix came out before Columbine, though. Mm. Because I I mean, yeah. I want to say because the the shooters were like affecting a lot of The Matrix's style. Yeah, Matrix came out a month before Columbine. Okay. Just just under a month before. It's March 31st and then Columbine well, was Well, also the fact that it was only released in 5 theaters like Well, you know. and that was the reason it was only released in 5 theaters is because it was about a bunch of vigilantes shooting up a bunch of people, <laughs> which is what the Columbine shooters thought they were doing. That is very true. So it was, you know, I think it's a little bit of everything, right? He got blacklisted, all this other stuff, but um, and the only reason the film actually did well at all is because of Blockbuster 
If you remember that. So back in the day, you had to go to a place, pick a movie, and then you'd have to like bring it. You had to have a membership card to this place. Get your movie. And you have to drive it all the way home. And then you had like three days and you had to drive it all the way back. And if you didn't, you got hit with late fees. But Blockbuster yeah. bought like the exclusive rights to Boondock Saints because Blockbuster was always hungry for direct-to-DVD stuff. And I think Blockbuster has a lot to do with like the, the, the gold rush of, of script stuff too. Because like a lot of films basically could only make their money back using rentals. Mm. Um, and Boondock Saints, like Blockbuster just went nuts with it. And it quickly gained a, a cult following. Yeah, something about its um, its style and its digestibility, it just became a cult classic, mm -hmm. right? So, and it still is, right? Like, it's still widely loved by a very specific kind of person. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, absolutely. Man, I used to have, like, a Boondock Saints t-shirt that I really oh, liked. No. I like pictures of oh, me no. on sets with that shirt on. Sometimes I wonder what, like, some of my coworkers thought about that. Well, like, I think one of my most um, embarrassing things is I made my in-laws watch this movie mm. at some point. And I was like, yeah, this movie's great. And bless them. They just sat through the whole thing and they didn't say anything. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was terrible. It's a terrible, terrible movie. You know? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read the, the back of the box before we get into the, the movie oh, yeah. itself. I feel like we've given it a good amount of context. The back of the DVD says, Thou shalt not kill. It's the one commandment they cannot keep. Tough, stylish, <laughs> and extreme. <laughs> Fans of Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction will thrill to the action, intensity, and intelligence of this modern-day morality tale written in blood. Intensity and intelligence? Yeah. Starring Willem Dafoe from The English Patient, Sean Patrick Flannery from Powder, and Norman Reedus, 8mm. When the sadistic Russian mob starts muscling in on their South Boston Irish neighborhood, Connor and Murphy McManus know what must be done. Feeling that the vengeance of God is flowing through their veins, they set out to, the, to rid the streets of gangsters, criminals, and lowlifes. As the body count rises, the brothers become local heroes. Now one unorthodox FBI agent must be cunning enough to bring them down. Brothers. Killers. Saints. Is that what it says? Saints. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so much to <laughs> unpack in this movie. We should start off by listing the groups of people that the movie clearly hates. Black people. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's not white. Mm -hmm. Gay people. Mm -hmm. Cops. Mm -hmm. Gangsters. Mm -hmm. Immigrants. Mm -hmm. Who am I missing? Women. Women, of course. How could I forget? I'm sorry. I just assume every, every movie. <laughs> <is women. laughs> yeah, this film women. really dislikes women. Yeah. Cats. Cats. Kitties. Hates cats. <laughs> Catholics, uh, strangely enough. This movie hates Catholics. Yes. Yes. Well, Catholics also. Well, the, the Catholic Church hates this movie. Also hates so. this movie, yeah. The church they actually, in this movie were filmed in a Methodist church. 
Yeah, because every like archdiocese was just like, no, you can't. F- what the hell's wrong with you? You can't yeah. shoot in our churches for this garbage. What I is wrong one, with you? One of the best quotes that I saw was some archdiocese saying that this movie was clearly made by Satan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you're not wrong. Mm. Oh, so here's a really brief overview of the plot. We've got these two. Clearly religiously zealot, but religious in their own way, Catholic mm-hmm. brothers. And from the very beginning, you can tell that the rules don't apply to them or they don't think they yeah. do because. Yeah, the first scene sets up a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because we start with like the, 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 the priest who's giving a guest sermon mm-hmm. about Kitty Genovese. Um, who Which, famously, yeah, got oh, famously, uh, in 1964, uh, Kitty Genovese um, was stabbed outside her apartment building, mm-hmm. and supposedly there were like so many witnesses, but nobody called the cops. Yeah, and no one helped. Yeah, it's all fabrication. It's totally wrong, and in fact, it's a gay thing. Oh, is it? Yes. Kitty say was a lesbian, number one. Oh, and number two. I didn't see that. Yeah. Um, if you want to know more about this, we don't want to, I mean, I don't know how much time we want to spend on it, but You're Wrong About mm-hmm. uh, does an excellent episode about everything about that. Yeah. She was a beautiful person. The community did try to help, but mm-hmm. she was stabbed to death and there you go. Yeah. Of course, like it wasn't public knowledge that the story was fab- fabrication until like relatively recently, actually, like 2015. Um, yeah. And even still, it's used as a, you know, cautionary tale everywhere. You hear about it. Yeah. And it's such yeah. a shame that her story is just marked by this. And it's an untruth. So many, they yeah. got a bunch of cop calls, a bunch of people, you know, mm-hmm. wrote in. But during the time, yeah, I need to go re-listen to that episode of You're Wrong About because it's really good. Yeah. So. Um, so I start with Kitty Genovese, this person who, who died and, and this person who died and, and no one did anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the priest ends the, the sermon with like, you know, there's one more thing that like all we should fear evil men, but there's one thing we should fear more. And it's that good men who, who do nothing. Uh, um, classic. yeah. And while he's giving this sermon, the, 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 the boys, um, Walk up to kiss the feet of the this giant, like thirty foot Jesus, um, much to the consternation of some of the other priests. Yeah, in a weird way, like no one else is doing yeah. this. They're disrupting yeah. the sermon by going up and yeah. kissing the feet of Jesus. I yeah. guess because they've got other shit to do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no one stops them. No one says anything. In fact, one guy stops another priest from stopping them, as it, like they they are somehow elevated above the rest. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, they, they, the boys walk out, light their cigarettes, and say, I do believe the Monsignor's got the point. And I'm like, this is the most, was one of the more confusing scenes in the film. I have no idea what that means to this day. And there's like a hundred different internet theories on what the hell that scene was about. Mm-hmm. Like, what did the boys mean? And there's some people like, well, originally, maybe the scene takes place after the events of the film. Mm. But that doesn't make sense because X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's a weird scene. Like, it doesn't yeah. make... That is weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe it's... Well, so we know that their weird anthem slash prayer is mm-hmm. already in existence at this point. Yeah. 
Or maybe it's the fact that he didn't bother them when they were kissing the feet of Jesus. Maybe that's yeah. the first time that they successfully done it without, I don't know. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Ultimately, <laughs> it doesn't it matter doesn't because sense. the yeah. person who wrote the screenplay sucks. But yeah. the point that he was trying to get across, I think, was that they are above things, even above a priest of the Lord. Right. Like, right. They are allowed to cast judgment on what the priest says and have more knowledge than he does, according to this, right? I do believe he has the point, as in they already knew yeah. the point and he's finally catching up. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a it's such a weird opening, but it does give you a lot of good imagery. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff uh in that in that scene. I'm sorry, I interrupted you briefly going over the movie, and I instead went into detail immediately because that person <laughs> was just like, I had to talk about it. Yeah, um, no, it's a, it's probably maybe the cool, like the very first scene of the movie before you realize, wow, this movie's terrible. That part's actually pretty good. They, they do a yeah. lot of exposition without saying anything. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, but and it's a little weird. Uh, I don't know. Looking back now, it's it's weird for him to like invoke the image of Kitty Genovese to, you know, paint his view of justice, his his incredibly violent mm-hmm. view of how the world should ha- be handled. Yeah, because in his view, people should have just, I guess, gone out guns blazing and saved her. Except she was gay, so maybe they would have shot her instead. I don't know. Right. Which is like, you know, we we clearly know his opinion on, you know, feminists and lesbians in the very next scene. Because it's the meatpacking scene, right? Mm -hmm. That's where we learn the boys work at a meatpacking facility, or at least they used to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that yeah. scene was literally only put in there to show what he thinks of feminists. Yeah. Because he, so we, we pan to the, the boys in their job, right? They're at a meat packing place and they're goofing around and hitting each other with meat at some point, which I thought was completely bizarre. Um, clearly yeah. they don't take anything seriously. Right. And that's supposed to be endearing. Yeah. Um. It's a little uh, slapped with a slab of dead cow across the face. Right. Ah! Well, it is a, it is a little weird that this this guy who clearly has some views on homosexuality begins his movie with a bunch of dudes just whacking each other with meat. Yeah, well, the people who hate homosexuality homosexuality the most are the people who have uncomfortable feelings about the same sex and don't want to explore them. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So there's this. Very large, specifically chosen, I think, to be unfeminine woman. Yeah, as a stereotype, very stereotype um, of 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 a like butch woman, right? Right. Working in a, she's the only woman, I think. Yeah, she's the only scene. woman in the scene. Yeah, working at the pack, the meat packing. I think she's facility. the only woman in the movie who's not a sex worker. I don't think that. Rocco's girlfriend is necessarily a sex worker. Oh, no. They were just druggy hoes. Yeah, they're just drug addicts. And promiscuous. Right. So they're just sex workers for free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's all okay. women, right? You're either, you're either a, a butch. Yeah, you're humorous. either a virgin saint or you're <laughs> a dirty slut. No, well, in this movie, there are no virgin saints. There's only... There's only well, like, they're Catholic. I assume that they love the Virgin Mary. They love their mom and talk about her very fondly. Oh, yeah. But that was deleted scenes. Was it? 
Yeah, like they don't really talk about their mom much in the in the actual movie. There's a deleted the scene where they actually they, give a call to their mother, but Oh yeah, I remember that. But they I guess the part I'm talking about is the part where they say that their mother insisted on them learning languages. Oh. But yeah. Anyway. Um Yeah, so I can't remember what they say to her that gets her upset. Oh, it was rule the of rule of thumb. Rule of thumb, which as a kid I thought was the funniest fucking like bit of the movie, right? Cuz <laughs> it's because humor, right? like their but, yeah, their response to it is very flippant, right? But Yeah. Well, the idea it's a straw man argument in the beginning. Like who's going to get upset about rule of thumb? It's a very common phrase. Like yes, it has a charged history and yes, someone can be like, "Hey, can you not say that cuz it bothers me?" But the whole yeah. like, "Excuse me? Did you just say rule of thumb?" <laughs> like that's like total straw man. No one's fucking yeah. that much of an asshole. I mean, there are. There are people who are that much of an asshole, but First, it's her first day on the job. Nobody's going to yeah. be like, yes, let me piss off the person who's draining me. Yeah. But anyway, so the woman goes by, goes and becomes upset about the use of the rule of thumb, which to be fair is horrible, right? Like, yeah, it yeah. comes from, you know, you can beat your wife, but only with a thing that is smaller than your thumb, smaller than the width yeah. of your thumb. What if yeah. you had huge thumbs? This seems totally unfair. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, well, I mean, now it's not. That's not the law. It's just it was the law back in the day. Right. Yes. Now, don't beat people. That's not a good no. thing to do. Yeah. And he says, well, rule of thumb, you can't do much damage with that now, can you? Should have been more like rule of wrist. Yeah. And like that. And then he starts a fight. And like mm -hmm. the, the supervisor's like, ah, shit, I've got to fire these guys now. <laughs> yep. It's such a weird fucking movie. <sighs> Yeah, up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're sorry. This one undid us. Um, all right. So that sets us up. We so we are two men above the law, both God's law, feminists law. We are rebelling against everything except our own understanding of justice and moral relativism, I guess. Mm hmm. Oh, and it takes a very, like, dim view of any of that sort of idea. Yeah. Of any sort of, like, the film, like, it's like no empathy whatsoever. No. Like, cannot for the life of them put themselves, put any, like, the, the, the film can't put itself in anyone, other, anyone else's shoes. It's so fucking bizarre. Like, their vigilante justice is supposed to, we're supposed to believe it's in service of the community, right? Like mm -hmm. they're wiping out these, you know, when they talk about it or try to justify it and they're you know, talking themselves into it later. They talk about getting rid of drug dealers and people who cleaning up the streets, you know, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. Um, Law and but order. they themselves are terrible to the same oh, yeah, people awful. that they want yeah. to protect. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end, of the day, they, call, they even call themselves two lesser forms of filth as if, you know, like, like, let's not talk, let's fucking talk about suffering a witch to live. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk about religion, uh, yeah, their understanding of Catholicism is real bad. Well, I mean, that's that's Troy Duffy's understanding of Catholicism, right? Yeah, because he's like, clearly not Catholic. Is, like, yeah, or you know, yeah, it's he's 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 fucking Boston Irish, right? Like mm -hmm. his grandmother was probably really fucking religious, so and like it watered down. He's got like a very <laughs> yeah, like the Latin. It's just, he's, it's he loves weird. Latin. Because yeah. the, <laughs> the brothers each have a tattoo in Latin on their wrist. One says Veritas and the other one says 
Aiquitas. Something like that. One is truth and 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 the other one is like truth and justice. Yeah. Yeah. Which let's just say getting those tattooed on you already is already telling you who these people are. Nobody gets that tattooed on. Like who gets the word justice tattooed on their wrist in Latin? A very specific kind of person. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, there's like, there's definitely things in this movie. that's like, Ooh, that's a little white supremacisty. Like, like it's just just a tad there's like there's there's echoes of it around here like oh that mm-hmm. culture has been ringing around your head for a minute hasn't it mm-hmm. um this is at least <laughs> i say at least no not at least i take that back immediately this is a the phase of white supremacy where we don't say it out loud but it's very clear mm-hmm. yeah. right and then this is like very like 90 and also this is like 90s soft racism, right? Where like mm-hmm. the, the, the rate like it's, it's one of those views was like all the ethnicities are clearly different, but equal. Everyone's everyone's the same, but these guys are definitely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like this this very idea that, that, that ethnicities are somehow like like a breed of different person. Mm-hmm. Um prevalent throughout uh you definitely see a lot of like to play with them nicely yeah but we know that that's still the kid who eats glue or whatever you know (laughs) like we don't actually want to play with them nicely we just know that there's a rule that we should follow where we're supposed to be nice to them Mm -hmm. yeah and like this weird obsession like this weird like and this is a very like American New England thing, like this very like this obsession with like the Irish culture, mm-hmm. um, particularly in Boston, which has like it has a huge Irish uh, 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 line- lineage there, right? A lot of right. people from Ireland live in Boston, or who a lot of people immigrated to Boston from Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a huge group of people, and then like, like you know, back in the day, there were huge like ethnic communities of Irish people and Italian people. Mm-hmm. You can go to Boston today and see the effects it had on like the local architecture, on mm-hmm. what kind of businesses are where. You go to the North End and it's like just like this a little Italian neighborhood that looks almost preserved from back in the day. Yeah. With like but with like tons of churches and mm-hmm. delicious Italian food <laughs> and a bunch of other yeah. stuff. And you and there's uh, like this little Irish section, which is like a bunch of churches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also back from a time where you could be the wrong type of white. Yeah, exactly. So. Which is, makes this, this film's like weird kind of view, like just even that much weirder. Yeah. Um, because considering- most of the gangsters they're killing are other white people. Like there's the Russian mob and the Italians. Mm-hmm. They, they imported and focused on the wrong portions of the culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like they distilled it down to nothing but aggression and violence and fighting. Right. Yes. I know yeah. that the Irish have a, I mean, there's literally a fighting Irish team, but I know that the Irish have more in their culture than just aggression. So, and drinking, but you yeah. wouldn't be able to tell it from this movie. Yeah. This, this movie is, is just such a bizarre mirror. <laughs> yeah. Fucking fun house mirror of, of weirdness. That only um, shows you the bad stuff. Yeah. But the boys are painted as like these like childish, fun-loving, goofy guys, yeah. like take the piss out of people. They're and also loved shoot by people. every person in this movie. 
Yeah. That they're not yeah. murdering. Yeah. Like, and I think given enough time, if given enough screen time, I'm sure even the people they're murdering would be like, you know what? You guys are all right. You guys are okay. <laughs> I mean, they start out, they start out, uh, the, the, the first bar fight with Ivan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they try to invite the guys to a drink cause it's St. Patty's day. Everyone's Irish today. Yeah. We have these two men who for as, as far as we know, work in a meatpacking plant and yet they speak nine languages or something, mm-hmm. right? At some point, they get brought in for crimes because they... Well, they turn themselves in. Yes, they turn themselves in. Oh, we're skipping ahead. Okay, so Ivan comes into the bar. Yeah, yeah, Ivan's from the Russian mob. He's there to shut down the bar because they're muscling in on the the territory. Oh, yes, the the bar owner who has Tourette's and only says cuss words and also stutters. Yes. (laughs) We love making fun of... We love making fun of people. Yeah. So they come to shut down the thing and, 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 and it's kind of the way the movie, the movie skips around a lot in time. And I think this is kind of a little bit of a Pulp Fiction effect and a little bit of a, mm-hmm. um, it's a fun stylistic thing that they do where the movie will skip ahead and then um, using the police who are investigating the aftermath, go back and retell what happened. I, I think the reason it gets pulled off so well is because of Willem Dafoe's delivery. That helps a lot. Absolutely. I think it could easily have been really boring because we already know who did it, you know? Yeah. Well, yes. But also the fun is in, in seeing how it happened mm-hmm. because this film is indeed so stylish that everything's ridiculous. Yeah. Like we know, we know, we know Ivan ends up dead. We know the boys did it somehow, but it's more satisfying to see a toilet get dropped on his head from the six <laughs> story building. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's, I mean, it's all part of like the, this, the, the way the movie tells a story. It's fun. But what happened was the boys got into a bar fight with the, with the Russians. They, they, you know, kicked the Russians' ass or whatever. Yeah, lit the guy's butt but, on fire. <laughs> yeah. But then the Russians come back later after, I guess, licking their wounds. Um, they come to the boys' apartment. And how do they know where that is anyway? I have so many questions. Anyway. It doesn't matter. They they know where it is because they read the script. Um, (laughs) Sorry. And (laughs) so they they separate the boys or whatever. They handcuff one to a toilet and they try to take the other one out back to kill him. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of just killing them right there in front of him because, again, they read the script. Um, uh, So he supermans the toilet out of the thing and throws it off the building onto Ivan right in front of the dumpster where I guess Ivan decided that's where... The, he wanted to kill the guy. Yeah, like I need to kill you, but first we're gonna go down six flights of stairs. So, right. Yeah, I'm gonna drag an unwilling guy down six flights of fucking stairs. <sighs> but yeah, and that and so the brothers then turn themselves in. They talk to Willem Dafoe's character, and he's like, "How are two guys who know all these languages working at a meatpacking plant?" And so they kind of lampshade. This, oh, well, these guys are awesome at everything, but they're also like just regular working Joes who live in illegal housing because they can't afford a place. Yeah. Never you mind that they're charismatic as fuck and we're supposed to love them instantly and they speak a bunch of languages and they are mm-hmm. beautiful. That is one thing I will say. They're very attractive <laughs> men. Um, but yeah, they still can't get their shit together enough to not live in 
an empty loft and sleep on the floor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I almost have to wonder if the implication there isn't that like society is leaving these good men behind. Oh, yeah. That's probably very you true. Know? Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah. You're such a good, like, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're, you know, you speak six languages or whatever, but if you're a white man, you ain't get shit. You got to live in illegal housing for, for reasons. And can't like, even make you can't even make fun of you can't even make fun of lesbians anymore. Ugh, Bullshit. Yeah. Who are we gonna Who are we gonna make fun of now? Yeah, Ugh. just again more more echoes of weird white supremacy baloney. It's just it's fucking bizarre. Yeah. So after this, they decide that 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 that's their life's calling. They they spend the night in the jails because whatever reasons, so that they can have a cool scene. Um, mm -hmm. where they spend a night in jail and then have visions of like, I guess they have to, it's their, now their mission from God is to go kill all the bad people because they had so much fun doing it with Ivan. It's in a very supernatural sort of way where they both like mm -hmm. jolt out of sleep and get struck by this idea that God has called them to kill people that they deem need killing. Yeah. So. Absolutely. It's fucking weird. It's so weird. And like they live in illegal housing, but somehow they go to some place where there's nothing but guns. Yeah. The they go to, like, a, to, to a, your local neighborhood illegal gun dealer because yeah. that, you, everyone knows their local guy um, where they can just go Especially into a basement. Especially if you're an upstanding citizen, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like, there's a big Irish flag on the wall and I don't know if there's trying to be some sort of implication of like IRA connections. Yeah. I'm sure there you is. Know? Like, oh, this is all surplus from when, from the troubles or whatever. Like The troubles. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but I don't know. They go get, yeah. they get, they get and the so guns. They get strapped. The guy just hands him, hands them both duffel bags and is like, go to town. Yeah. Well, they hand him like, like a ton of money, but. Oh yeah. But. We're, oh, I guess he stole the money from the uh, Russian from guy. The Russians. That's right. Yeah. Stole All the, the Russians, the jewelry, Russians. the money. And what's funny, though, is like clearly how low budget this film ended up being because they, like, give, they give the guy all this money and then the weapons they decide are like a couple Berettas and some rope. <laughs> which I... Yep. They got ripped off. <laughs> they got ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was just a stack of ones, so... Right, it was, it was a stack of ones with a 20 wrapped around it. Right, exactly. It was just <laughs> Ivan collecting from the uh, strip club. So yeah, fucking <laughs> yeah. Um, we need to talk about my least favorite character in the whole film. Is I want it, you to guess who is it is. It Rocco. It is Rocco. He's the I think, worst. Yeah. No, he's. The, I think you're kind of supposed to not like him. Oh no, I don't think that's the case at all. This this oh, really? part was written into this movie for him because Troy Duffy, because he's just a friend of Troy Duffy's, and Troy yeah. Duffy loved his personality so much that this oh, is dear. just him as a person. Oh, he's okay. not even fucking acting. Oh man, I always thought like just because like he's constantly contrasted against the boys. Yeah, and, like, I thought that this too is the when boys, but uncool, it. right? Yeah, because he's he's the he's worse than him, worse than the yeah. brothers somehow. But then when I was reading articles and stuff, that was, I thought that that was intentional. I was giving Troy Duffy too much credit, mm. which I will never do again. <laughs> because yeah, I, was I think like, the, oh. definitely the, the key to that is when he, um, he, he blows up at his, at his girlfriend, mm -hmm. you know, points a gun at her and is like, you know, I can't go buy a pack of smokes without running into 10 dudes you fucked. 
It's like, okay. Sounds weirdo. good. I probably can't. So, that sounds go like a healthy pack relationship. Without running into ten women that you've also had sex with, <laughs> you know? that's a good relationship. Yeah. It's a good thing you guys are together. Yeah, weirdos. Well, he clearly <laughs> hates her from the very beginning, right? He has mm-hmm. no respect for her apartment that they're crashing in randomly. Yeah, yeah. You know, she clearly has a very serious drug problem, and he shoots her cat accidentally. Yeah. And just doesn't care. And then later actually uses it against her and says, mm-hmm. I shot your cat. And she's yeah. upset because as soon as she gets there, even through her drug addled uh, haze, she's like, hey, where's my cat? Because she loves her cat, you know? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't even, I don't think Troy put that much fucking effort into it. I don't think he did He either. just wanted to yell out. Like, that's his idea of a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Two people who hate each other living in the same place. Because reasons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Like there's I remember loving this movie in high school and we'd watch it and, and we had one one person we knew who uh they hated this film. And I couldn't get, I didn't understand. It. I was like, "Why do you hate this movie?" And it's because of the scene where he shoots the cat. He's like, "I don't like that they shot the cat." At the time I thought that was the stupidest thing. And I still kind of think like that alone is a weird reason, but I think that that scene is emblematic of the of the larger issue of the yeah. film is that every joke has a cruel edge to it. Like every right. single joke has a victim. Like, it didn't have to happen. Yeah. Right? They shot yeah, it the didn't. cat it didn't, didn't add anything accidentally to the movie. because they were drinking a lot and playing with guns. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And not not, not even to just, mention that the misfire, the way it happened, like doesn't happen. That's not how it would happen. But yeah. <laughs> um, but it was completely unnecessary. And I read an interview with Troy Duffy that basically said he wanted to add that in a, a, the midpoint of the movie as a black humor sort of thing, shooting yeah. the cat. But it just shows you how absurd and immature they are, right? They're not yeah. even taking their God given task, if you're willing to believe, you know, they're. <laughs> their weird visions seriously yeah. they're getting yeah. drunk and high and drinking and playing with a gun sh- a bunch of guns yep 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 <sighs> if they put that scene in the beginning there's something like they could have done something really clever with that too which sucks because they could have they could have put that in the beginning of the movie and it would have been like an anti-save the cat Oof. And I think Oof. that could have been that could have been neat. It's still you know, kind it wouldn't of have saved the rest save of the, the film, and, and they would have yeah. had to make it work. But you know, this movie doesn't have a single ounce of kindness in it towards anyone, mm-hmm. despite the fact no. that we're supposed to believe that they're heroes and trying to do something good for the world. They're really mm-hmm. only doing it for themselves and their own edification, and they're on this huge power trip, which I feel like is very emblematic of this weird anti-crime attitude of the nineties, even politically mm-hmm. speaking, right? Everyone oh, was yeah, anti-crime, yeah. which was really just a thinly veiled racist thing, right? We're not necessarily oh, yeah. anti-crime. We're pretty much anti inner city black people and right. inner city immigrants. And we're not willing to consider the fact that our economic disparity is what's causing crime. Mm-hmm. We're just going to say that it's moral uh, failings on their part. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely buys into the narrative that the world is a um, increasingly dangerous place 
because no one's willing to do the necessary anymore. Which is not true. Crime has been steadily falling. Yeah. Crime is running rampant and everyone's terrible and someone just needs to do the right thing. Wipe them out. Right. And it's just, it's such a bizarre, regressive, reactionary view mm-hmm. of, it's like of actual justice. When you hit people, right? Yeah. Like they never got older than that. Yeah. It's very eye for an eye. Has a very reli- this film has a very religious view of violence, which is, you know, interesting. Like every, every scene of violence is shot in a very like worshipful way. Yes. There's it lots of Christ imagery. There's lots of like violence. Yeah. They put coins on the eyes of the dead because, well, we know we killed you, but we're still respectful. Right. Yeah. Although, you know, the New Testament, which is what mm-hmm. Jesus was all about, is about forgiveness and turning the other cheek and loving thy enemies. I guess mm-hmm. loving translates directly into shooting with a shitty gun. So. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you could you can kind of see the God ordained thing about this because they are completely inept and yet never get hurt. And oh yeah, they they, they Mr. Magoo their way through the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah, like they're not good at killing people. They just yeah. do it. And right. it happens to accidentally work out well. Like there's the scene yeah. where they fall out of an air duct, and of course they have mm-hmm. they're tangled up in rope because they were fighting mm-hmm. in the air duct like right. children. <laughs> right. And then they manage to shoot all of the bad guys in a circle. Yeah, because they fall and they're they're spinning while they're hung up, strung up by their legs. And um, yeah. It's just so fucking like Fucking bizarre. And they lampshade they lampshade every stupid thing in the movie like this. Um mm-hmm. like with the the falling through the the the, the vents, even like Smacker played by Willem Dafoe is just like bad television. Bad television's the reason for this nonsense. And he's not wrong, because one of the uh brothers is constantly referencing action stars and yeah, stuff like that, right? Oh fucking Rambo. Yeah, like you need you need rope because all of the yeah. action stars always have rope. And then it turns out to be okay. Yeah. Um, And after that scene is like, again, just another example of their cruelty, like mm -hmm. the humor cruelty where they fuck with Rocco. Oh yeah. Cause Rocco was sent to kill the, kill the big bad in that room Mm -hmm. with like a, a a six shooter instead of like a gun that could handle all the people in that room. He was told there would only be two people. So he was set up to die and he comes in as a room service person. Right. But they yeah, as a room service person, and, and the boys had already killed everyone, they're like, it's Rocco. We've got to fuck with him. And so they, they, they act like they're going to shoot him. And then they take their masks off, and it's like, aha, we got you. You thought you were going to die. Yeah. Yeah. It's off the rails, and it's so mean. It is. Ugh, I need to go watch Mr. Rogers. Fucking... <laughs> Ron Jeremy's in the film for some oh, reason. Oh God, Ron <laughs> Jeremy! Obviously, like, I don't know that he was ever uncancelled. Like he probably mm-hmm. s- came into the world canceled, but he's super canceled. Mm. Like Harvey Weinstein, Ron Jeremy. This is just a parade of horrible sexual assaulters. You mm. know, I don't think I'm familiar with with Ron Jeremy's story. I just know him as like the adult star with a giant dick. Yeah, that's what he wants you to know him as. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him in anything in years. I don't really care. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> by I anything I mean Boondock Saints. Because like, <laughs> he crossed over into mainstream, I guess. But. Yeah. Um, so apparently he was indicted on more than 30 sexual assault charges. Oh, geez. Testimony okay. of 21 women, some of them just teenagers. Well, that's fucked up. Yeah. He apparently, um, raped and assaulted at least 30 women. That's gross. Yeah. That's fucking oh, gross. Two counts. Uh, against children under the age of 14 or 15. Mm. So basically what he would do is he would try to, uh, he would try to, uh, he would tell people, you know, I'll make you famous or whatever. Mm. And then he would just, he, he Harvey Weinstein it. Yeah. He pulled the Weinstein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then of course he did the thing that all sexual assaulters do, which is say, Oh, it's just buyer's remorse. You know? They consented, so which is absurd because he's a porn star. Like at Mm -hmm. that point, if you're doing this to women, it's just because you want to, right? Mm -hmm. Like not that there's ever any reason, but it's not like he couldn't find women to have sex with. He wanted the power. He wanted to hurt people. He's a bad person. Well, good thing the boys took him out. (laughs) I still don't think he should (laughs) be gunned down in vigilante justice. I'm pretty sure he's in prison. Yeah, but. Well, they they got the well, in the movie they got him at a jerk off booth, yeah. And we get to learn how those work, yeah. And that fe- like I don't know I'm not I have no idea how anything works in the real world because I'm a weirdo. I don't know that that's exactly how that. That works sounds either, like a fabrication. But... Like I'm just sitting there, I'm like that seems a little. That seems like it seems like a lot of infrastructure to have to put into a building <laughs> for to... some people to jerk off. I don't know. I guess maybe it works. I'm sure it's a big world. I'm sure something, um, something. I don't know. I, I just don't see the people who, who, who would run that type of establishment paying for like electronic windows that like, <laughs> and like what happens when they break, you know, do you see that guy? Like, do you see oh, someone yeah. be like, Oh, I, I got to fix money that. Back, like a vending machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that is how it works. I haven't, you know, but yeah. but it's important that everyone knows because that aspect of human sexuality is masculine and we need to know about it. <laughs> mm. And like, there's a view of manhood. Woo. Yeah. And then Rocco like gropes the unconscious woman for reasons. Oh my God. Because <laughs> again, every joke needs a victim. And he's like, oh, let me kill these guys. I got to make up for the tit thing. I'm like, let's parse that for a fucking minute. <laughs> You groped an unconscious woman, and the way to make it better... Yeah, also, he's like, don't worry, I'll tip her. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, I'll tip her. And the way to make that better, apparently, is to like just straight up murder a couple dudes. The whole thing. Like, the fact that he couldn't control himself, he had to just grab some poor woman who had just mm-hmm. fainted because she saw acts of horrible violence. Yeah. You know? So the boys and, and Rocco end up, you know, causing a lot of trouble for the local mm-hmm. mob, like killing all these guys. Um, to the point where the local boss decides that he needs to bring in some outside help to take care of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and the weird thing too is like, the, the boss even says, if Rocco turns state evidence, he could take out the whole organization. Right. So even in the film, even in the script, he's sitting here going like, you know, if you just uh, 
if you follow the, the proper procedure, there's still a way to deal with this injustice. Mm-hmm. But instead, they don't do that mm-hmm. um, because it's not cool. But they go, uh, the guy goes and he, he hires out uh, a, this legendary figure that goes by Ildichi. Hitman. Yeah, which like, I don't, I actually don't understand how the Ilduce is supposed to work. Cause like he starts out as like, is, uh, this, we, we called in a guy. He liked to, he, his, his thing was whack and made guys. He, he called Ilduce. He's, he's currently in jail for 30 years serving whatever sentence. And they talk about how like this guy's such a nightmare. And so they release, they, they, they get him out. He's made to jail. be a big bad. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of talk around him. Yeah, because they, they need him to take care of Rocco and, and the boys. They're also afraid that he's going to come and kill them, too. <laughs> it's like and setting I, a I, wild dog loose and hoping it doesn't bite you, apparently. Like, is that, like, I guess that's kind of the idea they were going for, but they don't, like, actually, that's not in the text of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it's in a deleted scene or in a book somewhere. I think we're, like, led but, to believe that he has to kill somebody, right? Right. And if or he doesn't something. kill the boys, he's going to kill He's coming you. for them. Right. It's, it's teenage boy logic right right it can't be understood yeah and like billy Connolly's fun to watch and everything but like i'm sorry if i see like daddy leather santa claus coming at me <laughs> like i'm honestly not thinking like oh that guy's gonna kill me i'm thinking oh, like yeah. oh that guy's that guy's gonna do some other stuff but <laughs> oh no you're right i definitely wanted a glock for christmas <laughs> Like, I don't know, like, clearly he's supposed to be, like, this archetype of, like, this is the perfect dad. The perfect dad was not there for 30 years because he was in prison for killing bad people. Uh, the only excuse for not being there for your kids is being in prison for killing people that would hurt your kids. Yeah. This film is such a weird view of, like... We also don't know he's their dad until he's already shot at them a whole lot and somehow they yeah. magically miss or yeah. survive yeah they survive everyone survives Rocco loses a finger the more masculine weird shit with that yeah. Yeah. um with like like the taking care of their wounds with the hot iron oh yeah and like all this other shit it's just weird it's weird like suffering is somehow like the suffering that they go through is, is manly. That's how they, you know. Yeah, you just man up and take the pain, right? Like yeah, that's it's, how it's, it's supposed a, to be. It's, it's, it, it goes along with the, like, the, the way the film religiously holds violence. It also worships pain. Like, and all of this stuff is very, like, subtextual. And as a young man, it definitely got into my head. Oh, yeah. Right? It's subconscious. It doesn't say it out loud, but it shows you based on how it, the film, the, the scenes are shot and the music and everything surrounding the actions. Mm-hmm. You know, we're supposed to think these guys are super cool and tough and the best version of masculinity. Yeah. Possible. And then, like, at, and at the end of the film, the film just basically, like, rants at you, like, Ayn Rand style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where like it basically like they blatantly tell you what the point of the movie like what the message of the movie is like when smecker mm-hmm. goes to smecker goes to to church to do confession mm-hmm. you know as a homosexual and he's talking about and we haven't seen this at all throughout the rest of the movie but in this scene where smecker goes like you know i agree what the boys are what they're doing but like i don't 
Like, I don't know if I can do it, if it's right, blah, blah, blah. And all these bad people are getting out on loopholes, like reinforcing the, mm -hmm. the like, yeah, the bullshit I try to idea. do things the right way, yeah. but it just doesn't work. Yeah. So what's left? We got to kill them all. You know, it's easy to be sarcastic. It's more difficult to take a stand. Yeah. It's like all these little quotes, all the things I wish I could do, these guys are doing. The laws of God are the higher than the laws of man. Like, tell me this doesn't read like a manifesto of some fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, that's a guy who has a bunch of jars of pee in his basement yeah. and hasn't seen yeah. the sun in a while. <laughs> there, there's even a line where he's just like, where, where uh, Defoe's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I just needed to hear you say it. As if like, like what Troy Duffy's saying is like, I'm just saying what everybody's thinking. That's what Troy Duffy's <laughs> doing here. It's like, oh, we all thought it. I'm just, I'm the only one who's man enough to say it. Yeah, don't worry. We all hate women and black people. I'm just going to tell it like it is. Yeah. I'm just not PC enough for you. Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just authentic. My authentic self. And I, he is actually, but his authentic self is a dick. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And he's still fucking doing it to this day. Like, this is his whole life, is the Boondock yeah. Saints. He renamed yeah. his band. He's been trying to get the... I mean, he finally got the second one made. He's been trying to get mm -hmm. the third one made. Apparently, mm -hmm. they might have a TV show. There's a comic mm -hmm. book. This mm -hmm. does not deserve that much. It's just him trying so hard to let these horrible ideas exist in this current space. And I hate it. I think a lot of that has to do with money right mm. like i think he's got all the i think he's a, i think he's as a human being based on the, the text of this film he's probably kind of shitty um based on overnight he's probably kind of shitty he has these ideas of morality and ethics and justice and uh also he made money mm -hmm. after suing the people who were making the money <laughs> He has money. He made money from this film. He made Boondock 6 too, which even though it was a critical failure, he made a ton of money on it. And I think that money ran out. Now. He can't change. Yeah. yeah. And now, he, now he's just trying to milk the golden goose for all he can. Right? Mm -hmm. Like he, This is his meal ticket. He knows it. He's going to try and get the most out of it. I think the, the scariest thing that could happen is he realizes that his audience is the alt-right and he just goes <laughs> nuts with it and gets Kevin Sorbo for the next fucking, uh, next fucking Boondock Saints movie. And just goes with it, you know? I don't know who Kevin Sorbo is. Kevin Sorbo is the actor who played Hercules in the 1990, like the 1990s. <gasps> uh, is he a bad person? Oh, he's a horrible person. Uh, I feel vindicated because I always liked Xena better and Lucy Lawless. He's like, he's like so, like, I don't know if he's actually, if he's actually, I don't know if I've seen anything that's explicitly like QAnon crazy, but he's like, he's up there. Oh god. Like he's anti-vax, like fucking pro-Trump MAGA. Blah. Yeah, like I I'm pretty sure he he was on a few Pure Flix series. I don't know. What that Pure is. Flix is the, it's the Christian Netflix. Oh. Well, that's fun. Yeah. It's it's, you know, <laughs> he's you know, he he has a bunch of he, like he tweets a bunch of stupid shit. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I think the internet was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I miss the early internet. I wish it was just sort of like a post-apocalyptic. I'm plugged into a bunch of people through a bunch of random cords sort of mm -hmm. system. <laughs> Decentralized. Yeah. So like, you know, yeah. So this is his manifesto. He continues on. 
you know, Smacker does the thing. Um, we find out the house is an ambush. Like Rocco gets killed, and his last words for some reason are, "You can't stop. Don't ever stop." And I feel mm-hmm. like that's like sacrifices must be made. Mm-hmm. Like pe- good, even good people are going to die, but we got to do it for the the good even of good people, society or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, everyone's freaked out about little Duce for some reason because he's a scary unknown factor. Yeah, and then Smecker is in drag. Cause funny, it's funny. <laughs> There's a whole point oh, yeah. where, where where Smecker gets dressed up like a hooker for some reason. Like for some reason, that's the the way they decide to go because you know he's homosexual and they're by feminized. I think. Oh man, fuck Smecker. We haven't even started on Smecker. Fucking, that's a whole goddamn chapter. I know. It's just it could be its just own talking about Defoe's character, right? Yeah. So he's an FBI agent. So according to interviews, Troy put him in there to further distance. Troy made him gay to further distance him from the rest of the police corps, but mm-hmm. he's very smart. He's an FBI agent. He's very competent at his job, apparently, even though mm-hmm. he's very strange. And he's a self-loathing gay person. Extremely self-loathing. Cause like without some of the cruelty that, mm-hmm. that Smecker does in this film, you could almost think that like, he's and this a- kind of goes on to a weird, his weird view, like of justice and morality and all that stuff. It's like, gay people are okay, but only if, like, you're a certain kind of gay person. And only if you know um, that you're bad, right? Yeah, like, you have to know that you're bad. Like, Smecker is constantly abusive to his boyfriend. Um, you know, I don't even know pe- that that's his boyfriend. I think it's just... The dude he's sleeping with. A person that he slept with, yeah. Yeah, he calls him the F-slur. Yeah, um, because the other guy wanted to cuddle. Yeah, right, and- which is feminine. And yes. therefore wrong. It is Too against his feminine. view of masculinity. Smecker's okay because he's a manly man. Yes. Who hates gay people like he should, but still gets his rocks off because yeah. he's a manly man. Right. And he somehow, we are believed to convincingly cross dresses to get into the Russian mob right. battalion? No, battalion. It's, it's an Italian villa. It's like it's the right. Italian mob guy's house where, they're, where they have the boys. Yeah, because he's finally decided he's going to help them after his yeah, yeah. confession, right? Yep, and you know, there's a bit, again, cruel humor. We're supposed to think it's funny because he tricks a dude into thinking that he's a she. Mm-hmm. And that's funny because, like, yeah, he doesn't know. He's in for yeah. a surprise. Ha ha ha, trans humor. Gotta love yeah. it, except we don't, and it sucks, and it's shitty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And oh, there's a bit with the wig mm-hmm. where he's on the floor and the wig falls off. Mm-hmm. I would bet 20 goddamn dollars that the script was originally written that he sees the bulge in the pants and not the wig. Mm. I would bet so much money because it's because like the way he's the, the way that uh, Schmecker's like lying on the floor and mm-hmm. like opening his legs. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's like this wig business. Yep. That we're all of a sudden concerned about. I don't know. Right. 20 bucks. It was originally the penis. I think you but. are probably right. Yeah. I don't know why they would have written that out <laughs> instead of just <laughs> the whole damn movie. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, Smeck kills the dude. And then he's like, he realizes he's committed. He's like, oh, that was a bit too I'm far for now. me. Yeah. He says it's too far for him. And, and again, it goes to this thing of like, you know, this is how things should be. And it's okay that some people aren't willing to go this far because we have these other people that if we allow them to go that far, it's okay. Yeah. 
but who will police the vigilantes? Well, no one, because now apparently at the end of the movie, the cops are completely complicit Mm -hmm. in the vigilantes, right? Like they help them with the courtroom end scene. Yeah, that's true. It's almost like the entire investigate, the entire police force is in on it. Yeah, because everyone loves them. Yeah. Look at them cleaning up the streets. Yeah. The courtroom at the end where, uh, you know, the, so the, the big Italian mob boss wasn't at the house when all the murder goes down. And so, but Mm -hmm. he's on, he's on trial later for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a big courtroom scene. Everyone knows that this guy's going to get off because he's rich and powerful, and he's not even really that rich. We'll get to class in a minute. Um, <laughs> but so the boss is—you know—he's charming. He's 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 working the crowd. He's about to get off, and then the cops like help the boys sneak in with all their guns. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have another like Ayn Randian like direct speech, very John Galty speech to the audience of like you know. Hey, bad people are bad, and we need to kill the bad people. And yes, killing is is bad, but we're not as bad because they're they're badong, they're bad wrong, and we're just regular bad. Yeah, it's like Dexter so, the movie, but worse somehow because yeah. at least Dexter knows he's wrong most of the time. Yeah, and then the, the, there's like this young scared woman, and who's like the only woman in the movie who isn't isn't shat on by the movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so much it's still a little you know the il duche the father walks up and it's like you get you have to watch deer mm. like you have to witness this thing and again Please. talking to the audience be traumatized you yeah. can't look away and they pull a fire alarm because sound design thought that would be cool and <laughs> <laughs> they give a they give the speech and they did the final the final prayer you know, for the blah, 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 power that's turned forth from my hand, blah, 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 nomni patri. And then at the end, like, the, the woman who watched gets to tell the news. It's like, I was there. I saw everything. Yep. And then the credits are just a bunch of fake interviews of people supporting their decisions or saying they're bad, but mostly supporting yeah. their decisions. Yeah. And I think, and again, it, 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 we reference, like, tr- like the, the, the film's view of, morality and justice because like they're constantly comparing the saints to like superheroes mm-hmm. like there's one scene was like you've batman superman and the saints mm-hmm. um these this, these are the new superheroes these are the superheroes we need for today's gritty awful world of terrible people <laughs> for our you modern know. lex luthers it presents you with this false world and then it presents you with false solutions for it yeah and then right before the, the ending credits, there's like a, just one final speech to the audience. Just get the nail in the, just to make sure you're you get it. You're not already dead in your coffin. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. You got you, the, you have the, you have Il Duce, the dad talking to his sons and like that. He's now converted to his way of destroying everything. And that's actually the first time we actually see that we confirm that he is their father, mm-hmm. like directly. One of the guys calls the other one dad. Where before it was more implied because he knew the family prayer, which yeah. was like kind of a checkoff gun that was like planted early on. Family just prayer a, only taught by their mom. Yeah, like it's yeah, they like it's oh, it's family affair. Father, my father's father's forefather before him, kind of shit. Um, yeah, what is wrong with this family? <laughs> right, <laughs> they've been doing this for generations. That's that's yeah, that's for again superhero, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be telling the story forever. And it's like, you know, in the Middle Ages, there was a McManus who fucking chopped off the you know, King Richard's head or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird 
because they don't even do the thinly veiled explanation for why they're good at stuff, right? Like, we know they know a lot of languages because I guess their mom insisted on it because that's always worked. Moms trying Mm -hmm. to get their kids to do things. It's it's bizarre. Like, even to the point where, like, I was talking about them and their dad who's been in jail forever. And that they've never still, seen because they they've don't They've never seen. They don't know him. what he looks like. They, they, but all of a sudden, they're all chummy, chummy and good sons and blah, blah, blah. The perfect family unit, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this one character who I don't actually remember their name, but like the weird horror show guy that Rocco convinces the boys to go take out before they meet Il Duce at that house. Horror show guy. Like the, the guy who's like just the skinny dude with the red glasses and lights the dumpster on fire with Rocco. Oh, yeah. They they, they like he has a nightly poker game, mm-hmm. and the boys go to interrupt it. Yeah, yeah. And he's like painted as like I I think of him as the anti Il Duce, mm. right? Because he like like Il Duce, he's a guy who can like he's he's a force to be reckoned with. He destroys everything. He's also a father mm. and a family man, right. and he has the perfect suburban life. Correct. And the boys come in. And it's almost like this is their critique of the of that family unit. Yeah, they're not right? the right family unit. They're not. Yeah, they're like this guy is the wrong kind of man, mm. and he's horrible, and he does horrible things. He kills women and children, and like yes. all this stuff. And it just it feels weird that they're associated the way they're associating like the different family dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, even just the so in this movie, we're made to to see that the family bond transcends anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. So like the most important relationship that we see in the movie, despite not having any backing for it at all is the brothers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Their brotherhood is. They're so connected to each other that they have the same vision at the same time. And Mm -hmm. when one of them is about to be killed, the other one pulls a toilet out of the floor, which is not easy to do even with tools. And, uh, yeah, yeah they're always it's together. Old and, rotting building. <laughs> it's yeah. a legal tenement. So, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because no, that's never, that's never brought into question. I mean, they, they squabble like brothers mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all very childish and, and stupid. Right. But we never actually see their mother. Yeah. And when we do see their father, they immediately accept him, despite the fact that he almost tried to kill them. But, oh, he's their dad, so I guess it's okay. Mm-hmm. And he's the perfect dad. Yeah, maybe we're meant to think that they inherited their killing abilities because he's their dad. I don't know. No. It's, no, they, they, it's Well, they fucked. are on a real mission from God, you know? Give them yeah. some sunglasses and an old busted cop <laughs> car. and <laughs> But getting the band back together. Come on. Yeah. <sighs> Let's go to another city. Didn't they say, isn't there crime in New York or wherever? Yeah, they, they decided at the end of the film, it's like, oh, we're going to go to New York because it's getting too hot here. Yeah. Like, people are Don't looking worry. for us. So we're going to go to New York and keep doing the thing. There's crime and there. A, and apparently, like, one of the, I guess one of the plot lines for the third movie is that there's going to be, like, a franchise. Like, there's going to be boondock saints all over the country. Oh, no. Uh, it yeah, is the all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It, it, it's fucking weird. Like there's, it's, it's uh, like, if I, okay, if I wanted to, I could probably sit down and draw like a straight line from like this film to like toxic alt-right culture to, um, all the internet bullshit. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that would be entirely too depressing and I don't want to. Yeah. So like the, 
the most dangerous kind of person is a person who can't change their mind Mm -hmm. about something. And this movie makes me think of that, right? Like they are so dead set on their purpose and their own self-importance. And this counts Troy Duffy, Um, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's no room in their world for any alternative views and no consideration for anyone else. Right. I decide what's wrong because clearly Mm -hmm. this movie shows you that not everything is wrong. Sexual assault is just ha ha. Yeah. Though, though Rocco, to be fair, Rocco does die because he did sin. What was his sin? His sin um, was uh, definitely the. There are many sins in this movie. I think it was his attitude, the way he grew up the woman, the, the, the tit thing. Mm. Um, So he's not protected from, he's not protected by God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also like he, he, his worst sin, I think, and this is telling it, this is the sin that I think get does him in is he held the priest up by gunpoint. Oh yes, that's right. And that is definitely like shown as like, this is not the way. Mm -hmm. Um, and like the very, it's like the next scene you hear bells tolling Mm -hmm. for Rocco. Yeah. It's like, this is like his, this is his sin. Like, or, or no, I'm sorry. Way. It's just before the bells yeah. toll as a, as, as a like kind of audio reference that Rocco is, is not long for this world. And then he sins, um, in that way. There's a correct way to be a homicidal maniac. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Very much so. There are rules that we make. It's, it's the perfect example of lawful evil, right? Mm-hmm. You've decided you are judge, jury, and executioner. All that needs to to happen is for someone to make you upset right Mm -hmm. or for someone to violate your rules and you have no no greater calling except for an invisible person that we can't actually even communicate with in a reliable way yeah Yeah. it has yeah it's it's very you know a little fashy (laughs) and then uh, like down to like blaming the media the mainstream media for like the Mm -hmm. feminization and the terror like the terrible direction that our culture has gone like you know there's there's like one in the news roll at the end the guy's sitting there's like this is your fault you guys keep putting this stuff on the news and blah 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 like people are going crazy this is your fault mm-hmm. and it's it's just so fucking it's almost prophetic it's interesting too considering the real world implications that we were talking about at the beginning where we were like mm-hmm. oh no we can't put this movie in theaters there was just a school shooting and it's clearly hollywood's fault um because hollywood is a, an easy fall guy because nothing will mm-hmm. hurt it a like i guarantee you it didn't stop sales of violent films and b there's nothing to be done about it right it, it means that we don't have to cast our gazes towards any other systemic problems that could be causing school shootings um one of the funniest and saddest maybe not funniest probably just saddest is the onion article about school shootings that they just republish every time a new one happens. Yeah. Like, yep. No way to prevent this as only country yep. where this happens. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a classic mental health matters people. Yeah. I have. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> you know? I've got, I've got complex views that I'm not even a hundred percent organized it's on a, that it's subject. It's like a tar pit, right? Like this movie mm. feels like I picked off a really, really old scab. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, <laughs> gross. There's just so many nasty, horrible things in this film. Yeah. It's, it's, 
it's it's every it's every aspect of toxic masculinity put on a stage and worshipped like religion. It is. That's cruelty, it's violence, it's misogyny, it's racism, um, homophobia, homophobia uh, you know, early transphobia, back when people didn't even know what trans people were. And by that I mean mainstream people, obviously right. trans people existed. Trans people have existed for thousands of years, people. Yeah. It's just fucking... It's it's depressing. It even glorifies law enforcement a little bit. A, a little bit, bit, while also simultaneously painting them as incompetent. Yes. Which is like very... That, that's a very like, alt-righty thing to do. Like licking the boot while saying they're useless. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely believe there should be some sort of violent enforcement of things. You're just not good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the problem with our cops is that they're not stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough riot gear, which is not true. Right. The Most urban areas have plenty of riot gear. Please stop. You know? Yeah. It sucks that this movie is so toxic in its ideology. Mm-hmm. Because one thing about this film that I do think is genuinely good about it is that it is very stylistically told. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, like, even now, watching it feels pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, the music where they were able to use their original music is good and fits the scenes. Mm -hmm. The editing is solid. It's just stylish as hell. Yeah. If you take out the writing and the directing, all of the technical people who worked on this movie fucking snaps for you. You did such a good job. Yeah. Well, well, it's funny because like the editor, like this is like the, basically his only movie. He both, he did a bunch of TV stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. But you know what? Like props where props are due. It's really well executed in certain parts. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it even became as popular as it did is probably largely because of excellent technical skills outside of the actual creative development controlled yeah. by Duffy. The actors are all charming. Mm-hmm. Like they're fun to watch. Uh, you know, Defoe's great. Redis is great. The actors, except for Rocco. Good. <laughs> I mean, I think Rocco works in his role, yeah, he right? A shitty role that is. literally doesn't even change his name. That's his name. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're such a bad actor. You can't even pretend to be someone else. I'm sorry. I just really hate his character. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> he's the that's worst. He's, he's, he's kind of a, he's a tough character yeah. uh, to, to enjoy. <laughs> he's, like the fact that he is friends with Duffy and Duffy likes his personality and that is him. I'm like, yep, that tells me everything I need to know about you. And apparently it was kind of a, it was a rough working environment for a lot of the actors. Yeah, Duffy sucks. He's super hostile. Yeah, I was surprised to see most of them come back for the second one. They almost didn't. I think that the McManus brothers, I'm sorry, the two people who played the McManus brothers, um, bowed out for a long time because of unethical production. <laughs> the article I read had unethical in quotes, and I was like, I don't know if those quotes are necessary i'm sure it was probably <laughs> actual unethical production yeah um, yeah and somehow came back and uh i guess troy didn't like working with defoe and and would constantly bag rag on the guy yeah defoe the one super successful person that worked on this film you know yeah well Reedus is doing pretty well for himself is he but oh yeah yeah he's on a uh, walking dead and, i guess but he's um, no defoe I mean, no, but he is a draw. That's fair. Defoe is just like a household um, name to me anyway. 
Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. And Defoe went on fucking Spider-Man and shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, he was on a lot of stuff before that, too. Also, every Wes Anderson film ever. I just love Willem Dafoe. Mm. He's, he's fun on screen. He knows, he knows exactly how far to take it. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything where he's, like, overdone it. I think my main complaint about Willem Dafoe is I don't think that there's a female equivalent out there because I think if you're a woman, you have to also be majorly attractive in addition to Mm. playing those characters, right? Like there aren't, or you can be the fat one. Like you can be Mm. the overweight woman. I mean, there's lots of stereotypes there. If you fit into, it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) You can be the old woman, which means anyone over 30. (laughs) Yeah. You can be overweight and funny. I mean, that happens to men too, right? Like there's the overweight man funny trope. Hollywood likes its stereotypes because it makes it easier to tell a story. You know, you can communicate a lot by just designing your character to look like the way that everyone knows. Mm -hmm. You know, I just say what everybody's thinking. Yeah. Well, you know, there are specific groups that you're still allowed to make fun of. And I feel like at least until maybe very recently, um, people who are overweight are definitely one of them. One of the mm-hmm. groups that are the last to fall when it comes to maybe just be nice to people, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you did you ever see the sequel? No. I did. Oh, I'm so sorry. I watched it uh, pro- shortly after it came out. Where should I send Saw my it. flowers? Nice. Is it better? It was, uh, it was disappointing. <laughs> I, I, I'd have to rewatch it to tell you if it was like the message was better or worse. I'm going to go with but, not. Uh, because honestly, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Yeah. It, it was the most people. forgettable film I've ever seen. Wow. Like I watched it and then I, I, I honestly like in my, in my brain out done. Like I could not <laughs> remember like, a goddamn thing it's like about a, that film. an owl chucking up pellets, small bones of mice <laughs> and fur. And you're like, this was nothing but gristle. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly like that that film, Bone Dog Saints Two, All Saints Day. It 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 lacked the style of the first movie. It lacked the. It seemed like it, it seemed like way too much. That that I even the, the shit that I can't remember. I just seemed like maybe they were too busy trying to t- like tell more of the mythos mm. of of the world that the Boondock Saints inhabit. And no one, the thing is, is like no one gives a shit. Right? right like no one needs to know like it, they try to i think they try to again i don't really remember but i feel like they tried to do like a godfather 2 thing mm. with il duce and telling some of his 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 history right and how they got to there and like clearly like this is a man who saw the godfather 2 but didn't get it <laughs> well he also saw tarantino's work and didn't get it and saw right you know because all of the, he would duffy would get upset when people would claim that he was influenced by these other people even though he clearly was and is Mm. not nearly as good at it right like tarantino is his own bag of problems but as an artist i think tarantino's more developed than duffy ever would be because duffy's really just a copycat but more about it tarantino tarantino for all his faults is is, is an actual artist right who clearly cares about his craft Mm -hmm. um who is very thoughtful about everything he puts in his films. Whether you or know, not we agree good with and those bad. things. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think he's a guy that like you, it's like, unlike Troy Duffy, Tarantino, I think is someone you could disagree with 
mm-hmm. and have a conversation. Troy Duffy, but not, you just don't invite to the party. Yeah. Like Tarantino is a guy who's like, I, you could have creative differences with. Mm-hmm. But Troy Duffy is just a guy who's just an asshole. You know? Yeah. Like you could, you can draw parallels between the glorified violence of the Boondock Saints and the Kill Bill series, for example. But the parallel ends there, right? Like, oh, they glorify mm-hmm. violence. But one is the glorified violence of a prepubescent, angry white dude. And the yes. other one is the glorified violence of a post-pubescent angry white dude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a love of Stagecraft classic and, cinema. Yeah, and yeah. visuals. And like the Kill like, Bill series yeah. is visually stunning. It's visually stunning. And all the violence in that film largely references to other films. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to send a message with the violence. He's not supporting you know? violence either necessarily yeah well he's making a he's making a cool ass movie because yeah. he saw a bunch of cool ass movies and he wanted to make more cool ass movies <laughs> it's definitely like, like revenge porn the movie but absolutely yeah. absolutely and as a genre like revenge revenge films and vigilante films as a genre have issues just inherent yeah because right? any sort of retribution movie i don't know i don't we should end on a happy note because I'm kind of bummed. Well, I, I mean, the happy thing is, is that we both moved on from yes. this film and its ideology. It, like, its relationship with masculinity, my relationship with masculinity. Um, it's a web I've been untangling for the past, you know, forever. I'm amazed that, you know, I have the friends that I do <laughs> sometimes. You know, I'm amazed. Like, I look back at some of my attitudes and the way I think, and I'm like, how did, how did my wife put up with me? How did Kate, my friend, put up with me? How did all my other friends? Like, I remember what a, what a little shithead I was. You know, I remember you having like a very like ah uh, yes I used to oh yeah just total bullshit yeah and I look right? back very and I'm young like, man That's bullshit not Matt at all no I don't know. it's not I think yeah complete bullshit fabrication watch too many movies well, right I think especially when you're young and you're like seeking an identity and you're trying these things on you're wearing them like these really protective coats over yourself and you've got like yeah. this squishy center that you don't want anyone to see but sometimes mm-hmm. people see it and i yeah i always really liked you and still do obviously because i'm talking to you for hours every yeah, day i, I appreciate <laughs> that you put up with you put up with a lot of my bullshit to get there because uh, like, like you know we were in likewise. a situation where you know completely new situation for all of us just the unique situation of our schooling mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was basically an opportunity to reinvent oneself mm-hmm. from the ground up. And, uh, I watched too many movies. <laughs> so I was like really cringe. Like I was super duper cringe. I, like I, if I wanted to, I could dig up photos of me with like wearing a fedora with long hair and, and like a dragon flame coat. t-shirt. And I've got like swords and fucking, you know, like the Chinese mall swords. Mm-hmm. I've got, I, I had a collection of them at some point. I got rid of them. Cause I was like, I can't, can't I can't look at these anymore. anymore. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, I it, like. I think it was like ten years ago. It wasn't even like it wasn't even that long ago. It was like you know, ten years ago. I was like, okay, I need to get rid of these. I just need to get rid of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I think. I think ultimately the thing to take away and the thing that the Boondock Saints doesn't understand is just mm-hmm. the very concept of change and redemption. Right. Yeah. The idea that once you're bad and you've done something bad, you're bad forever. Or once you are a thing, you're mm-hmm. always that thing, and that's just not true. The only the only things that are scary in the universe are people that aren't willing to change and to listen and to grow. Right. 
And I think I've definitely grown a lot. And so have you in leaps and bounds away from those things. And we're still mm-hmm. growing as we learn things and are, I don't know, exposed to new ideas. And it's like, I don't want anyone to think that it's frictionless because it sure as hell is not. Like sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll learn a new thing I'm not supposed to like or a new thing that mm. I have liked before that is hurting someone. And I have to, mm. I have to get through that initial defensive reaction. You know what I mean? Where yeah, like, yeah, there's always that defensive thing where you're like, oh, yeah, but it's not that bad. Oh, and then you're like, it mm, is. maybe it kind of was. Yeah. 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 Maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. yeah. And you also have to grapple with the fact that you have accidentally hurt people in the past, right? With some of the mm-hmm. things that you've said mm-hmm. or things that you've done. Oh, absolutely. And it it sucks. Nobody wants to be the bad guy in their own story. And so I think an important mm-hmm. lesson mm-hmm. to take away from this and our journey together and separately is forgiveness and grace given to ourselves and our past selves. So Yeah. Any, anyone I was shitty to as a teenager. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Please fucking text me or call me or email me and I will write you the most sincere apology possible and I will mean it and I will, you know, I just, yeah. Yeah. And like back to toxic masculinity, like just I watched too many movies that gave me some like just weird ideas of, of manliness and relationship with women, relationship with the world, with Mm -hmm. justice. I think it's a shame that there's so much toxic masculine stuff out there mm-hmm. when i feel like there's plenty of things about masculinity could, that that can be not yeah, toxic there is positive <laughs> like we could tell good stories you know absolutely like you know there's nothing wrong with strength or wanting to protect right yeah like just the physical yeah supporting and, things and and, you know. and being comfortable in that in that masculinity be comfortable in your strength mm-hmm. in your um you know what it is to be a man what it is to be a father what it is to be um a son or any of those like you know gender re things right right and the embracing of a gender or aspects of a gender does not mean the mm. disgust towards the other side or the yeah. repulsion yeah. like there's, or- there's no reason there's no reason for any of that like the, to to accept others for who they are or even to accept the things about yourself that might not be super masculine um is not that's not weakness yeah it's strength. that's not like in the, yeah it's, it's it's a strength it's it's you know and the idea of like you know there's 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 fortitude and that's the kind of strength i like to think of as well and not like therefore not the opposite of like a weakness yeah right anger. like the two aren't diametrically opposed anger is oh not my god masculine. anger oh i didn't even get to talk about anger yeah that's a new this movie is so episode. angry and it's i wanted so to talk angry. about yeah, because cruelty and anger and all that stuff, like, you know. Anger is a, in the word the world of emotions, anger is a secondary emotion that is caused mm-hmm. by other emotions, is what I've learned yes. from therapy. Yeah. And it's, you know, you feel small or scared or you're afraid of something. And so the secondary emotion that is caused that's allowed to take hold is anger. And I've learned this about myself because I have been and am still struggling with being a really angry person. Um, I'm angry about a lot mm-hmm. of things that have happened to me or things that I didn't have control over. And that's, that historically has been my first response to things that I don't like, or that make me feel small is getting really fucking angry and it sucks. What is your relationship with anger? So as, as a young 
man and all that stuff. You, you, you just inundated with that, with traditional masculinity that was pushed on me and everyone, right? Like the media that I consumed, the um, relationships and all that stuff. Like anger is, for a lot of men, is the only safe emotion, mm. right? Men aren't, the idea of a man is one that is not, not you know, man isn't happy, isn't sad, isn't You're either neutral depressed. or you're angry. Yeah, you're either neutral or angry. So like if, if any strong emotion at all, the only one that's safe to express is anger. So it's it's easy to start shortcutting those like neural pathways. Mm. If you feel anything, angry, right? Annoyed, angry. Frustrated, angry. Curious, angry. Um, yeah, <laughs> angry. Um, I fucking hulked out over a biology textbook the other day. Oh, <laughs> no, <yeah>. um, <laughs> you know, to the point where like you know, if, if you express sadness or grief or or or, or God forbid, crying, you, ha- right? you have to punch like that, something. That takes away from your manhood, mm-hmm. right? But to be angry, that doesn't take away from your manhood. Other people might think you're a shithead, but you're a manly shithead. Boys will be boys or something. Yeah. And like, I mean, to this day, I think a lot of people could, could generously describe me as a little angry. But it's definitely something I've been working on. Hard. You know? It's hard to unlearn these patterns. Yeah. Understanding what it is is going on and better ways mm-hmm. to like divert that energy. Um, not to mention just a bunch of other shit I've been, you know, going through lately. The past, uh, the past couple of years have been, uh, 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 years of growth for me. <laughs> Same. And I've been understanding a lot more like of, of how my own personal history plays into it and all that other stuff. And like my relationship with anger. Well, there's no good and, examples. And I don't want either. anyone to think I'm, I'm not, I, I don't, uh. <laughs> Matt is not an aggressive or violent person. If that's what you were worried about people thinking. Yeah, I don't. Uh, like, Matt has never hurt anyone that I'm aware of, especially not in a physical way and yeah. not intentionally. I can be loud. I, I yell loud. Yes, you can I be can loud. Yell. Like that's my defense mechanism. Passionate. So, and yeah. sometimes your uh, sometimes your excitement about topics comes out as sounding angry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but. I think it's hard because we don't have good examples, right? You were talking about how you watch too much TV. Mm-hmm. I think it's so hard to judge people's behavior. So it takes me back to the idea that some people think that racism isn't a thing or they think that they're not racist. You, I'm racist. You're racist. You cannot be raised in a system that has implicit bias and racism without getting it on you, right? It's not yeah. – It's not. Oh, a, that's funny. It's not a thing that you can unsubscribe from. You have yeah. to you have to do it intentionally. You have to go in and dismantle these systems that have been built mm. up before you even knew what systems were. And I feel like the same thing is true for masculinity and anger. Well, we're here to pour, pour salt on all that. Yes, so. we are. And we will <laughs> we will unearth all of our demons one by one for everyone to listen to. <laughs> yeah. But I think uh, I think that's probably plenty of demons for today. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, that wasn't as positive a note as I was hoping to end on. My bougainvilleas are blooming and they're very happy. That's good. So that's a that's good, good note. Yeah. Hey, we're growing. We are. And this, hey, this is probably going to be the episode with the fastest turnaround of any episode we've done so far. Hey. Because we are out of our, we are out of our record buffer. That's all right. Except for we have one more. We have one film sitting in the tank, but that has to come after this one. It's going to be a surprise. But it's a surprise episode. <laughs> but uh, if anybody looks, they'll figure it out. So it'll be a fun little Easter egg. 
Um, all right. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you as always, Matt. Yeah. I've got to go see a man about marinara sauce. Thank you all so much for joining us. Sounds like an interesting euphemism for illicit pasta. I was, I was referencing the line in, uh, Boondock Saints where Rocco, uh, the, they can they can lick my fat balls and I'll dip my them oh, in marinara the mar- sauce. Yes, get because taste Italians. <laughs> no. Yes, pasta marinara sauce. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Uh, thank you all for joining us. I hope this was as entertaining for you as it was cathartic for me. Um, as always, you can find more of us at mediumsalt.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. While there, you can join our Discord and let us know what you think about us, about movies, about the podcast, about marinara sauce, anything really. Um, it's always good to have you around, Kate. It's always good to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you for suffering through my early growth. Shout out to my wife for that infinitely so and infinitely more. Yeah, she is amazing. Um, She's pretty perfect. Yes. Have a great week. And remember, as always, stay salty.